mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Standing in the Gap. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verses 30 and 31. Here now... Pastor Moody. I want to preach for a little while this morning from the book of Ezekiel. If you go with me to chapter 22, I'll read the last two verses of that chapter. Very, very familiar uh, text. I remember about 40 years ago, or a little better, maybe 41 or so, I was invited to preach at a church that I'd only visited once. And God laid this word on my heart, and I preached it way back then, I don't know if I've preached it since then or not, probably talked about it, but I'm going to preach this, not the same message, but the same text, because I felt like the Lord spoke to me that there were needs in that church that only those saints could fulfill, and when I spoke it uh, for weeks after that, I'm going to be preaching on standing in the gap, for weeks, even years after that, I'd see people from that church and they'd wave at me or cry out to me and say, Pastor, I'm standing in the gap. Some of them told me that their families were changed because of that service, because of what God did. Maybe it'll have that effect today. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Uh, verse 30. God says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. There's a hedge of protection around God's people. Something had happened. Sin had came in. Leaders had failed. And the hedge was broken and there were gaps in it. So he said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me to intercede, in other words, for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Listen to the gravity of that. The next verse, God says, therefore, because nobody would intercede, because nobody would stand in the gap, have I poured out my indignation upon them? I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I repaid them. In other words, they got what they asked for upon their heads, saith the Lord God. God is a God of holiness, righteousness, a God of mercy and grace, but also a God of judgment. And there's something that stays the hand of God's judgment. It's when the church steps into the gap. And I'm going to preach this morning if you'll help me on standing in the gap. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Bless this service. And help us, God, to know your perfect will in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. You can be seated. I want to say how much I appreciate the brother that came to me with that word of knowledge this morning about pain in that sister's jaw. Amen. Are you healed, sissy? I'm healed. So you give God a hand of praise. Amen. 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 
God laid this scripture on my heart and the message standing in the gap. As I preach today, I want to say that we need a great move of the Holy Ghost in our nation, in our land, in our churches. For I want you to understand that there's been much wickedness exposed in our country, much sin that's being brought to light. We've preached about it for years. We've named it. We've been criticized for calling things sin that are sin. But I have responsibility as a pastor, to shepherd of sheep, to warn the sheep, to declare truth because truth is imperative in life-saving and soul-saving. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. All the things that are going on, all the things that have shocked us and alarmed us, I'm going to say for the last several years, but especially in the last couple of years, we've watched violence go unchecked. We've watched things that should have never happened to spark violence happened. We saw the return of things that should have been dead and buried, racism, bigotry. We've saw things raise its head up that, that uh, should never have raised its head up, the division politically that's in our country. I've grieved for years that we've been relegated to being donkeys and elephants, or red and blue. But how many knows we're the children of God? We're the, we embrace the lamb. We're the sheep of his fold. Yet, when I see all of the sin that seems to go on checks, many are questioning like the martyrs of Revelation chapter 6, how long, O God, holy and true, dost thou not judge? I want to repeat something I, I read this week. When I read it, it kind of stirred me a little more about this message. It said, when sin, unrighteousness, injustice are exposed, it's so that God will be justified when he judges it. It's so that God will be holy when he, just, when he, when he judges sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Hence the church was called to be that administering body of the gospel, the good news, to tell sinners Jesus saves. To tell the lost, amen, that there's a way that you can find your way back to God. You can come home. I thought like this, that the hope for America is gathered across the country today. Right now, the hope for America. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about a church that's standing in the gap. I'm talking about a church that's salt and light. I'm talking about a church that, that preaches the everlasting gospel of salvation, of eternal hope, of, of the opportunity to receive eternal life. You can be forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? You can be pardoned. Every sin washed away. You can become a new creature and live in the beauty of new life. When I started to think about Ezekiel, he was a man that prophesied and did illustrated sermons to a nation that had been carried off, was carried off because of sin. He laid on one side several hours a day for over 300 days, hundreds of days to tell Israel, show them how they'd turned their back on God. Then he laid on the other side several hours a day for 40 more days to show Judah how 
much they had turned away from God. The nation was divided, of course, at that time. Ezekiel was a man with a burden for his people. He was carried off in exile and he thought like others that the nation was destroyed. There was, he said, God said, I sought for a man that would stand in the gap. I found none. Jeremiah was there. He was contemporary with Ezekiel. But you know the story of Jeremiah. He was rejected. He was imprisoned. They, they shut him down because they didn't want to hear what God had to say. So all of a sudden then, because their word went unheeded, because there was no man in the gap, nobody in the place of the intercessor, judgment came harsh upon Israel. But this is another day, can you say amen? When I read these words, I think about somebody standing in the gap. I think about the condition of Israel. Do you know that Proverbs 14, 34 says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin... Say it with me, sin is a reproach to any people. In this chapter, God indicts Jerusalem. Remember what he said about Jerusalem? I put my name there. I built my temple there. He told Solomon, if anybody's carried off in captivity because they've sinned, if they just look in this direction and pray, I'll hear from heaven, heal their land and forgive their sins. Here they are now, he's reproaching. God is indicting Israel. He's the capital city. He indicts the priests, those that were the religious leadership. He indicts the prophets, those who were supposed to be saying, thus saith the Lord. He said, you're saying it and I didn't say it. You're declaring it and I didn't show it to you. You're just prophesying smooth words, trying to make everybody feel better. Then he came against the princes. Now listen to me. The princes were the political leaders of the country. They were the government officials. God condemns them. Why would he do that? Let me, let me just talk to you a minute. They had innocent blood on their hands. You read in the, this chapter and the, and, the, and the chapter previous. Dylan already prayed about abortion. There's innocent blood on the hands of lawmakers and people all across America. I won't, I won't harp on that. I'll just say that and go on. They made idols to worship literally graven idols, but more than that, they begin to worship everything except God. America's filled with idols. Well, they even have a show, American Idol. I'm not preaching on that, I'm just saying. People worship everything, trends, fads, children, women, men. They, they worship stars. They worship sports. Get quiet on me, I'll preach on you. They worship everything but him who's worthy. Man, when Nick was singing this morning, I, it's him I live to worship. Hallelujah. Let me say amen to that. Not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I live to worship him because he's worthy. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. They'd made idols. They had dishonored their parents. They had committed sacrilege, meaning they had dishonored holy things. America's dishonoring holy things today. There was a cartoon in our paper this week that showed a man that appeared to be Moses carrying tables of stone down the side of a mountain and the people were all looking to him for a word. He said, 10 commandments, these are not commandments, these are my picks for the NFL playoffs. I know it's funny, but people are taking holy things and dishonoring them. They dishonor worship, church is ridiculed. 
Christianity has, has been, been throttled and lambasted like you've never imagined. Preachers are being dishonored and disregarded as being nothing more than money-grubbing charlatans. Somebody help me preach right there. A word from God is scoffed at. When somebody says, thus saith the Lord, people roll their eyes, even in the church house. They're dishonoring holy things. Let me go on. They practice slander. I want to say this, that the so-called TV host slander presidents and slander congressmen. The Bible talked about those who speak evil of dignitaries. Can I get a witness? So here they are. They're, they're practicing slander, not just against leadership, but against each other. Verses 10 through 11 of this chapter list the most abhorrent sexual behavior that you can imagine that was going on in the city of God. Go to read it sometime. God is looking at this and bribery, extortion, unfair judgments were common practices in Israel. Therefore, God said they're left defenseless. I'm coming against them. But in the meantime, God is looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He's looking for an intercessor. Can I tell you today, America didn't need a new president or the old president. Oh, we did, we needed them, but that's not the answer. America, I heard on the radio yesterday a talk show man talking about the possibility of starting a third party. Oh, come on, give me a break. We don't need a third party. What we need is another great awakening. Come on, someone. We need a reformation. Can I say it? At this point, America needs more than a revival. My God, we need a resurrection. Come on, somebody. Give, us, give, give the Lord some praise. When I started to think about the need for intercessors, I was praying about it this week. God, people have got to step up in the gap. If people step up in the gap, maybe the tide can be turned. Maybe the sin can be stopped. Maybe people can, can change the way they're thinking. And here's what I heard in my spirit. I think I heard the Holy Ghost say, intercessors cannot now change sin, but they can stop judgment from coming so quickly. You need to let that soak in. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to continue to, because Jesus said in the last days, things would grow worse and worse. But I'm telling you, God's looking at the church today and he's saying, I've called you to get up, amen, from your comfortable place and come out of your comfort zone and step back into the gap and make up the hedge and be the worshipers and the prayers. Amen, I need you to be the preachers. I need you to be salt in this corrupted world and light in the darkness. Come on. God's looking for people who are willing to be found standing in the gap. Hallelujah. I won't preach long today, but I'm going to try to preach powerful. Is that all right? When I thought about this, in Isaiah 53 and 12, God's talking about Christ. He who knew no sin became our sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then God says in verse 12, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered. 
falsely among transgressors and he bore the sin of many. Watch this. And Jesus, he made intercession for the transgressors. Do you understand that the penalty of sin is death and every soul that sin is guilty and dies because of it? But Jesus stood up and took the penalty of our sin upon himself and he died without sin, yet in sin, amen, for sin, for us, amen. He took your sins upon him and mine and he interceded and God, the Bible said, was satisfied when he saw his suffering. That's an intercessor. That's somebody that stands up and says, God, I refuse to let my neighbor go to hell. I refuse to just let my child go on down that path of drugs I refuse to let this generation go down the path of premarital and illicit sex. I'm going to preach whether you like it or not. I refuse to let another generation be duped to believe that homosexuality and lesbianism is just an alternate lifestyle. No more is it, sir, than bestiality or sodomy. No more is it than, than uh, fornication and adultery. It's all sin. God said the marriage bed is undefiled. Everything else is sin, but listen, there's intercessors. Somebody stood in the gap for you to be forgiven. Somebody help me preach. In Isaiah 59, 14, judgment is turned away backward. Justice, amen, standeth afar off. God, in other words, saying there's nothing fair, nothing right going on. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity, honesty, cannot be, can it not enter in. People don't want to hear it today. Can you say amen? They, they won't know part of it. Amen. He said, yea, truth faileth. And he that departs from evil, if you depart from evil and try to live right, you make yourself a victim or pray. And the Lord saw it and was displeased and it displeased him that there was no judgment, nobody thinking right, doing right. And he saw that there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. What God said to Israel and Ezekiel, there was nobody standing in the gap pleading with me amen for the land amen therefore his arm Christ alone amen brought salvation to him and his righteousness it sustained him it was the only thing that kept God going can you say amen I want to tell somebody that Jesus Christ is our intercessor amen your Bible said in Rome, Romans 8 and chapter uh, chapter 8 and verse 32 it said he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Amen. I want to say right there, you don't deserve it, but he died so you could have it. I didn't deserve it, but he shed blood that I could be clean. I wasn't worthy of it, but he gave me new life. I want to tell you, I was on my way to hell in a hurry, and he came my way, and with red blood, he washed my black heart and made it white as snow. I'm saved, but I didn't deserve it, but I could shout, I'm saved. Touch your neighbor and say, me too, sweetheart. I've got it too. Hallelujah. Amen. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Verse number 33. Who is it that can point out a fault in Jesus? Well, he's the intercessor. He's the mediator between God and man. If you're Catholic, I'm sorry. The Pope can't do it for you. If you're a Pentecostal, I'm sorry. I can't do it for you. But I know a man. I know a man who's standing right now. 
Stephen saw him when they were stoning, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Yippee, hallelujah. Ah, I feel it. Stephen was being stoned to death, had a look on his face like an angel. And you know what he said? Woo! He said, I see Jesus standing up at the right hand of God. Yippee, he's our, our intercessor, can you say amen? Glory to God. And they said, who shall lay anything to his charge? Uh, amen. It's God that justifies it. And who is it that condemns you or makes you feel guilty? Listen, who is it that condemns? It's Christ that died. Yea, he was rather risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. And he has the authority. Remember what he told that woman? Amen. They brought one to stone her to death because she was taken in iniquity of adultery, called the act. And they wanted to stone her. He said, if you're perfect, you you cast the first stone. And they all left. And, and he was left alone. And he said, has no man condemned you? And she said, just you, Lord. And he didn't pick up a stone. He didn't, he didn't, you know, condemn her to hell. He looked at her and just said, well, go your way and sin no more. Isn't that good? He didn't save me in my sin. He saved me from my sin. Hallelujah to God. If you're a drunk, he'll sober you. If you're a drug addict, he'll clean you up. If you're crooked, he'll make you straight. If you're straight, he'll make you straighter. I'm Somebody ought to praise him. That's who he is. He's our intercessor. Yes. Holy, holy, holy. He's my intercessor. Can you say amen? Amen. Christ who makes intercession for us. He didn't get tired either. I dare you touch somebody and say, he's still at it. He's still doing it. Paul would write in Hebrews 7, 25, and say, wherefore he's able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives. Can I use modern English? He lives forever to make intercession for everybody that comes to God. You don't know how bad I've sinned, preacher. I had a man come to me one time and he said, I heard you on the radio preaching about forgiveness. I said, ooh, yeah. He said, I, got, I come to tell you a thing. I said, what'd you come to tell me? He said, God might have saved you. I said, you was a goody two-shoes. I said, boy, I wish that were true. I said, I spent my days laying in a dark room drinking alcohol. That may shock some of you. I spent my days doing other things that I don't even have to think about, let alone talk about. I said, sir, I was on my way to hell. And he forgave me. He said, well, you don't know how bad I've been. I said, I know. I thought I was some big shot VIP Satan's favorite sinner too. But when I met Jesus, <laughs> I wish somebody shout right there. I said, when I met Jesus, he took my sins away. He washed me clean. Yeah. He gave me new vision. He gave me new understanding. He put his Holy Spirit ooh, right down inside of me and I became a new creature. He my intercessor. Can somebody say amen? I tell you, shout, we need an intercessor. We need somebody to stand in the gap 
for America, for my family, for my children, my grandchildren, your family. We need somebody to step up and say, God, if you don't save that, that family's child, they're going to die on those drugs. They're going to die out there in that darkness. I pray all the time. I say, God, I've watched children grow up in the light and I thank God for pursuit and the other ministries have we have, but I've watched them right in my family grow up in the light, walk under the anointing, and then can I quote Star Wars, get pulled to the dark side. I've watched them walk. We're not the children of the night. Somebody help me. We're the children of light. I've watched them go over into the darkness and try to tell everybody I'm okay. Let me tell you something. The soul that sins, the Bible said, will be cut off and that without mercy and that without remedy. That's talking about will sin. He that sins willfully after he's come to the knowledge of the truth and tasted the good gift of the Holy Ghost and the better things to come for him to walk away from God. The Bible said there remains no more sacrifice for their sin but a certain fearful looking for an indignation of judgment. Are you saying God won't forgive them? No, he won't as long as they're willfully sinning. But if somebody might step up in the gap and intercede for them and they turn from their wicked ways and look back to Jesus there is forgiveness but it'll take an intercessor I got to hurry what is the hedge and the gap I think we think we know but I need to elaborate is that all right you see the hedge represents God's protection around a righteous nation a righteous person. Do you know that people are mesmerized by the supernatural? You know, the, 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 the occult, the, the uh, stuff that's, you know, the paranormal, that's the word I'm looking for. And uh, there, there are people who are white witches. I don't know the difference in a white witch and a black witch. They're all witches. And warlocks. People in California pray to crystals. Maybe some in Richmond too. I don't know. They're they're excited by horoscopes. Tarot card readers. Many years ago, a person that I love dearly called me one night. I didn't know this was going on. They said, "Brother Owen, have you got a minute?" I said, "I do." It was a lady, and she said, "I, I have a, a, a small problem." I said, "You do." She said, yeah. I said, well, what is it? She said, I went to a palm reader, to a tarot card reader. I said, oh, you got a big problem. And uh, she said, I kept going. They kept reading my cards, so I got me a deck of tarot cards. If y'all don't know what that is, good. I'll move on. She said, I brought them home and laid them up in the house. And she said, while I'm sleeping, things move in the house. She said, stuff has fallen off the top of the refrigerator without explanation. Things have fallen out of the cabinets and broken without explanation. She said, sometimes I see things flying around in the room when I walk through the house and I think I'm crazy. Now that may sound crazy to you. But I said, lady, you've brought demon spirits into your house. What must I do? I said, burn the tarot cards. Fear. She said, oh, no, I can't do that. 
He told me if I did a curse it'd be on me. I said, baby, you're cursed already? He said, get rid of that mess. She said, what do I do about these spirits? I said, I'll come over. Be glad to. You ain't afraid of mouth. Jesus spoiled all of them before he went back to heaven. Send back the Holy Ghost and greater is he that's in me. Perry Stone, many years ago when he was just a kid preacher, I remember listening to him and heard him preaching meetings and stuff. And he was telling us he'd gotten a revival down in Tennessee and a revival broke out and said there were some people in that community. Revival went on for eight or ten weeks and hundreds got saved and there were some people in the community got upset and, and some of them was a coven of witches. So a coven of witches came to his meeting one night and they brought voodoo dolls and they were sitting back there stabbing them while he was preaching. And he said, it didn't bother me. I didn't pay no attention to them. So I, I didn't know what they were doing. I just kept preaching. Said, but all them little holiness women in that church was watching them. <laughs> and he said, uh, all of a sudden, one of them jumped up and started chanting. Trying to put a curse on him. Said he told her to shut up. He was preaching. And them little holiness women gathered around her. And they got praying in the Holy Ghost. And she got, have y'all ever watched The Wizard of Oz? That witch that they threw water on. <laughs> she just started kind of withering down and she looked at Perry and said I've come to put a curse on you Perry, Perry back then being a kid being the spiritual giant that he was at that time said well I'm made out of rubber and you're made out of glue it's going to bounce off me and stick on you in the name of Jesus <laughs> we're in real warfare people the, the, the occultist, the brainwashing that's been going on for 35 years or longer in America, telling us we don't need God in a classroom. Help me, it offends somebody. I'm sure it offends the devil. I, I went to school when they read the Bible and had prayer and little old Miss Adams, my fourth grade teacher, every morning she'd get up and she'd read us a Bible story and explain to us what it meant and then pray over us and then we'd put our hand over our heart. And when they stood the flag up, we'd said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. One nation under God with liberty and justice for everybody. Are you hearing me? We don't need that anymore. We took God out of the classroom. Well, we got there now. Let me move on. The hedge represents God's protection. You remember the story of Job, how God had blessed Job and, and there was a day when the sons of God came before the Lord. I told him this morning, the early service, I said, I love this. Satan came also because whether he might try to tell you he's gonna take over, but little old Bubba, stinky little stinking dog-faced Satan still has to come before God every now and then and give an account of what he's doing. And God said, where you been? He said, down the earth. You know what he does? Seeking who he can devour. God said, if you consider my servant Job, he loves me, he hates you, he eschews evil. And, and the scripture said in Job 1 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none, nobody like him in the earth. He's a perfect and upright man, one that fears God, eschews evil. And Satan answered and says, does Job fear God for naught? Watch this. You've made a hedge about him. Now, I didn't know that until the devil told me when I read it there. God had a hedge about me, protecting me, 
You made a hedge about him, God. Listen to this. On, on, that he has on every side. Let me translate, interjects up there, and I can't get to him. You've blessed the work of his hands and the substance is, is increased in the land. He was the richest man in that part of the world, maybe in the world. And so God allows the hedge to be lowered and Satan attacks Job, kills his children, takes all of his possessions, takes his health. God said, but you can't take his life. I want to tell you something. The Bible said, be happy, rejoice when you're in heaviness because of manifold trials. If God counts you worthy to be tried for your faith, you ought to rejoice in it. Because somebody's watching you that's going to see you come out of it with victory. Can you say amen? And so all of a sudden, this hedge was for protection. But no, then notice God allowed the hedge to fall. I want to say, the hedge can also be taken away in judgment. In Isaiah chapter 5, God's talking to Israel. He said he planted a vineyard. He fertilized it. He built a wall around it. He put keepers in the vineyard. He planted good vines. He said, what more could have been done for my vineyard that I have not done to it? Wherefore, when I looked upon it that it should bring forth good fruit or grapes, it brought forth wild grapes which were fit for nothing. Verse 5, now go to, I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Here's what God says. I'm going to take away their hedge. Because they wasn't living right. They wasn't bearing the fruit they should. They wasn't doing what I called them to do. And it shall be eaten up and break down the wall thereof and it shall be trodden down. Listen, I want you to understand the hedge is there for us. Amen. To, to be a representation of who God wants the world to see and that's Jesus. Well, then what's the gap? The gap's a hole in the hedge. The gap's left when churches compromise. And prophets don't say what God said say. The gap is left when we forsake what we know to be truth and go with something that feels a little better or it's a little more popular. Is this all right? You know what the gap is? This is what God said to me. God said, the gap is the position I'm calling the church to today. He's calling us to the gap. I said a while ago, I said again, Gap is not just a modern clothing line. And it doesn't just mean God answers prayer. The Gap is a position that God wants to put us in so that the country we love can be protected. So the family we're burdened for can be saved. The Gap is a place God is putting us in so the church can come out victorious, without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. God's calling us to the Gap so ministry can be effective. You know, Paul said when he wrote to one of those churches, he said, pray for me that open doors will be open to me and that God will give me utterance that I can say what I need to say. Sometimes the best of them are at a loss for words because... Sometimes, like Daniel, things are hindered by spirits that try to stop. I'm going to close in a moment. In Ezekiel 13 and 5, he said, you've not gone up to the gaps. Neither have you made a hedge for the house of Israel to stand to be able to survive in the day of battle, says the Lord. The, respons the responsibility of the modern church is to stand in place to appeal to a holy God to extend mercy. 
It's not a new concept. Abraham did it for Sodom. God, if you can find 50, will you spare it? Righteous in that, place, that horrible place, what about 40? If you find 30, will you spare it, oh God, God? He said, far be it from me to presume upon you, but let me get in front of you one more time. God's on his way to destroy it. He said, what if you find 20? Each time God said, there's that many, I'll spare it. And finally, when it looked like it was all lost, Abraham says, but God, one more time. In danger of my life, let me ask you one more time. What if there's 10 down there? If there's 10 standing in the gap, can I say it that way? If there's 10 righteous left in that city, will you spare it? God said, for 10's sake, I'll spare it. And God looked for 10, but he couldn't find them. Only one came out was Lot, two daughters, and a wife that looked back and turned into salt. Three, can you say amen? When I started thinking about this, Moses, backside of a desert, running from God, running from judgment, taking care of sheep, married a woman, life's good. He sees a bush burning. He hears a voice out of that bush. He goes up and, he take, and the voice says, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. Who are you? I am that I am. What's this? And I've heard the cry of my people. I've come down to see how bad. How many knows God's looking at this mess right here we call America right now? And God says, I'm picking you. You're my man. You're going to stand in the gap. You're going to go look the most powerful man in the world in the face. His name's Pharaoh. You might be here. God might raise you up to go stand in front of Joe Biden and look him in the face and give him a word from God. It should be all right. Let me say that's a good thing. And Moses, the Bible said in Psalm 106, 19, they come out of there, they got out in that wilderness, and Scripture says in verse 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped the molten image. Look at the next verse. Thus they changed their glory. Not God's glory, theirs. Their glory had been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who parted the Red Sea, who gave them manna by day and water from a rock, fire by a night and a cloud by day. Their glory had been God. But now they worship an animal and they change their glory into the similitude of an ox that eats grass. I want to say this. Folks, you are and you will be what you worship. If you worship Hollywood, you'll be a Hollywoodite. Sort of like a Canaanite. If you worship materialism, you're materialistic. If you worship the lust of the flesh, you worship sex, you worship all these other things, you, you are not a Christian if you're worshiping anything else but Jesus. But God. They changed their glory. They forgot God. Amen, their Savior, which has brought done great things for them in Egypt. Look at verse number 22. He did wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Now here's what God said. Therefore he said that he would destroy them. But had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach, in the gap, that's what that means. Amen. To turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them. David sinned and numbered Israel when God told, told him not to and a plague came out. And David went and stood before God for the people. In Psalm 120, or I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 24 and 17, 
It said David spoke to the Lord when he saw that the angel smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Lift up your hand. I pray thee against me and against my father's house. You see, David was the anointed king, the deliverer, and he's standing there in the anointing, much like Jesus saying, Just kill me, but spare them. Spare them. Standing in the gap. Come on, Brother Nick. Mordecai said to Esther, ladies, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. He said, who knows but that you're come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For the first time we've got a lady vice president. That's good. Maybe it's time we need a lady to stand up and shake the nation with a word from God. Maybe it's you. Who knows, maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Nehemiah's cut barren Babylon. Stand with me. He's serving the king. He has to present himself as healthy and healed and pleasant because his job is to taste the king's cup and make sure nobody's poisoned the old boy. But his brothers come from Jerusalem. He said, how is it back home, boys? I said, oh, Nehemiah, it's awful, said the walls are torn down of Jerusalem. The gates are burned with fire. The temple's full of idols. God's not there anymore. And the king says, what are you doing? Sad in my countenance. He could have killed him, cut his head off. At a moment's command, a soldier would have just lobbed his head off. Nehemiah says, how can I be happy when my home is in such shape? The heritage of my fathers is destroyed. Religion, worship is gone. Joe, there's nothing left. But Nehemiah realizes it's not too late. When the king looks at him to his shock and says, Well, what do you want? How many knows when the king says, What do you want? You got to think fast. He didn't ask to be promoted, he didn't ask to be made a billionaire. He didn't ask for, the, for a pardon, you know, to be set free from slavery. He didn't ask for the king's daughter, none of that. He said, well, I need some time. The king said, how much? You got it. I, I'm going to need some material. Well, rather than carry all that with you, I'll just give you letters. When you get there, you tell them, I said, give you what you need. Woo. We got some time and we got some letters. Nehemiah said, I need some men, some help. That's all we need today. We need some people to come to the gap and stand in the gap. Lift up your voice and your heart to sacrifice sacrifices and praise. It's easy to praise when we got this powerful man leading us, this great team prompting us, these wonderful musicians all in tune. I came from a day of five or six flat tops and one none of them together. I went to Ecuador one time, went up into the mountains of Ecuador and was there with the Alca Indians. They were the ones that uh, killed the great missionary many, many years ago, Jim Elliott. And they live in what they call the volcanic desert. There's 32 volcanoes Ecuador, the equator runs right through it, and all of them to some 
degree are active all the time up in that area. And it looks like sand dunes as far as you can see, but it's actually ash. And they breathe it. And their voices are not like anything you've ever heard. And I went to church one morning to preach. And I'm in there preaching. And Brittany, when I lay my hand on the Bible, I can feel the grit on the page from the ash in the air and we're breathing it. And this little choir of little Indian ladies about this tall, all up, bundled up in rags for clothes. They walk up there and start to sing. And it was like running your fingernails over a chalkboard. The screeching of their voices. And I started in my spirit to complain and the Holy Ghost said, just shut up and listen. When they started to sing, it was like a chorus joined in. That church lit up and praise began to happen on a level that I hadn't seen before. We just need somebody in the gap. I said this morning, I said, we're blessed to have Nick and this team. And these guys have all got gifts, wonderful gifts that came from God. And they're using them for God. But a lot of people have had gifts that they got in church. Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton, I can name some more. They went to the world. But what they have beyond a gift is a calling. And you see, a gift is something you can do with what you feel free to. But a calling, you'll give your life for it. You'll live for it. God, you'll die for it. Many have. Many have. My wife and I sat the other night and watched a movie that, uh, done by the same people that made the war room and some of the others. The name of it was Paul, Apostle of Christ. And I watched that and I marveled at Paul. But I also marveled at saints who went to their death with a smile because they could see Jesus carrying this gospel 42 years ago I got a call I wanted to be Billy Graham I wanted to be Jimmy Swagger I wanted to be this I wanted to be that God said you just stand in the gap and be what I make you that's who I am I'll die with this I'll die for this I'll preach this if they put me in jail I'll still preach it they threaten to cut off my head, I'll die preaching it. I want the last words on my mouth to be, Jesus is Savior and Lord. But America, we've got to step into the gap. Those who are watching by the internet, those that watch us in Africa, those that watch us across the country, you've got to do more than come to church, sit in the pew and rush out the door. You've got to step into the gap. God needs you. He needs you. He needs you to be in the place of, of, of Christ on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of God and we're His agents of intercession. The Great Commission was not the great suggestion. He said, go ye into all the world. Teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And when you do it, He said, I'm with you all the way. You'll be with those in the gap. Can I call you to the gap this morning? If you're away from God, if you're not saved, can I call you back? 
If you've gotten lukewarm, grown cold on the Lord, can I call you back? If you've never been saved, can I call you back to the gap? Understand me, understand me. I know there's varying opinions about religion and about church and about doctrine, but there's one thing that we cannot waver on. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And our lot as the church is to present Him as Savior and Redeemer and Healer, Baptizer and the Holy Spirit. Our lot in life is to make Him an anchor of hope for the soul of those who are in the storm-tossed seas of life. So I'm calling you to the gap this morning. Some of you work in factories and you can be salt and light in that factory. Some of you are in the public school. Some of you are involved in the government. Some of you are private contractors. Some of you work in grocery stores and different places. Wherever you are, God's called you to be more than what you are there, what you're getting paid for. He's called you to be the one standing for that company or for that business in the gap. Amen. So while Nick sings, I'll not ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes. I'll ask you to look to the right hand of the Father and see the one that's standing for you. You'll say for the first time or maybe as a continuation, but only better than ever before, Jesus, I'm coming to stand in the gap with you. Will you do it? Make your way to this altar. Stand around here. There's plenty of room in these front seats of these altars. Come on now while Nick sings this song. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lie If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life if you got pain, well, he's a pain taker. Oh, yeah. And if you feel lost, he's a way maker. I like it. And said, I. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.